It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcasts from. Well, our weekend continues on this Sunday morning, the 25th day for September. Yes, October is just about here. And coming up is the Sunday Rewind, where we take a look back over the last seven days with some of the interviews, the predictions, the market trends, the analysis. And this morning on the Real Estate Breakfast, we're going to be talking Brisbane Olympics, Wollongong property, including that half house that was listed for sale, and also buying property with your siblings, good or a bad idea. And don't forget tomorrow, for Monday, we're going to be looking at the latest news from Perth and why the houses there are selling faster than a lot of other locations around the country. Hey, if you're celebrating your birthday for the 25th, uh, have a fantastic Sunday. Barbara Walters. Now, she is turning 92 today. She is a woman that has never looked her age and has done some amazing interview work. Also, Will Smith is turning 53. And on this day, Christopher Reeve, of course, Superman. Unfortunately, he died on this day back in 2004. We talk with leading property commentators with analysis, predictions, forecasts, and what's trending every morning from 6.30. It's your weekend real estate breakfast. It's the main centre forecast with PRD, selling smarter every day. Okay, let's check on your weather forecast on this Sunday morning. First to Sydney we go, expecting sunshine and 21 degrees. In Melbourne, good morning to you, expecting mostly sunny skies, a high of 20. And in Brisbane, also blue skies, sunshine with 27. And in Perth today, expecting partly cloudy day, but it should be mainly dry and your high of 19 degrees. And coming next, it's the Sunday Rewind. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. So tell us a little bit about that because it's a 1950s home. As you say, it's an icon in the area. Everybody knows it. Everybody's got a bit of a theory about what's been going on with this house. That's correct. So everyone has had their theory of basically being half a house, it must have been a bad divorce. Hence why there's a a meme made about the property on Google Images. And I actually did a bit of digging into the history of it and was able to dig up the original floor plan from back in the 1950, 1951. Originally, it was to be designed as a three-bedroom home with a living dining room, kitchen and access to the rear. But to why it was never completed, it is still anyone's guess the whole speculation of maybe it was a bad divorce or maybe back in the 50s as items were really hard to come by back in those days for the build it was just a build as you go type scenario yeah okay so what's been going on with this property like uh, the vendor at the moment how long has the current vendor who's bringing it to market owned the property So the owner had originally purchased it back in 1996. Unfortunately, the the owner did pass away in April and the executor of the will has basically appointed myself and the team here at First National in Wollongong as the selling agency. And it has... It's almost hit the moon in, in ways of media press, um, the amount of interest on the property and the land itself. Just everyone wants to know about it. 
Yeah, it sounds like an interesting one. So the vendor, was the vendor owner-occupier living uh, up until recently? He was, he was. Wow, so 1996 right through until 2022. Can you tell me, I don't know if you've got this on file, it would be interesting to know what the vendor paid back in 1996 for the property. Yes, so back in 1996, he paid a whopping total amount of (laughs) (laughs) $55,000. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. These sort of properties, they don't come up all that often. And as Luke was saying, I mean, you just couldn't buy this sort of media retention, could you? No, not at all. It's uh, It's been very overwhelming. We have been contacted by every conceivable medium that you can talk about to the point of even Luke was becoming so highly in demand, they were fighting over who was going to get to talk to him first about it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what happens, you see, when you've got something that people want to talk about, you know, welcome to social media. Luke was saying he remembers this property. It's part of his, probably part of his childhood, I would say. What about you? You remembered this for some time? Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's very much a case of there'd be very few people in Wollongong who wouldn't know about it. There's one that we're selling, the one in Warrawong. There is another one in Cringilla, which is often laughed about that it's the half that the wife took from the divorce. And there's actually one other, which is in Mount Kembla. So down here in Wollongong, maybe around that time in the 50s, which is what most of the talk seriously has been about, is that it's a, a lack of supply for materials that a few of these homes were built that way. Yeah, very interesting. And of course, what we've been talking about of recent times is, is sharing the equity for getting together your mortgage with siblings. We've got a podcast next week with relation to that, but this sort of property wouldn't sort of be much good. <laughs> hard, to, hard to split a house that's already split. Just in terms of first home buyers, how strong is that for your area? Because I would imagine Wollongong would have its fair share. That particular part of our market, what we're seeing at this point in time is still quite strong. And we're noticing that actually in properties that we are bringing to the market that are ranging anywhere from around about that 600 and, you know, 650, which is the the actual cutoff of a first home, but for the full grants, up to around about our 700 kind of range, we're still seeing quite good movement. Anything that's under that first home buyer grant of 650, enormous interest in it still. And it's, it's great to see that because there is a lot more of our first homeowners in this market now getting an opportunity to purchase with the interest rate rise, changing the dynamics of our investors who would usually be obviously the biggest competition to our first home buyers down here. It's the Real Estate Podcast across Australia, seven days a week. Yeah, look, it's very rare for a regional centre to have a higher median price than an urban centre or or a capital city. That is the case for Noosa and it has been for quite some time now. With that $3 million uh, median, I've got to remind people that we're still very cheap compared to southern states and there are plenty of properties under $3 million, uh, but not a lot under the million. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just these these houses, but unit prices also more than doubled in the past five years, increasing from 127.3% to 1.5 million, the second steepest jump for a suburb. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen that across Noosa, not just Sunshine Beach, but Noosa Heads and Noosaville too. 
And Noosa has been described as the playground for the wealthy, and they've certainly been turning up in their droves. They've been heading to Noosa to play and to relax on the Sunshine Coast. There just seems to be this appetite for Noosa, and like a lot of other areas, you know, this was very much undervalued for so many years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Undervalued is the key factor here because right up to 2020, we were selling so cheap, even though it was an increasing market. It's not just the rich and famous coming here. It's it's ordinary families from southern states and even from Brisbane looking for a better lifestyle. We have everything here. We've got the river, we've got the national park, we've got the ocean, whether you want surf or um, main beach where it's quieter. Every possible natural asset makes this an incredible place to live. Alex, how long have you been there? Because I guess you would have seen so much change, particularly in the last three years. Oh, absolutely. I've been here for over 21 years and really couldn't think of anywhere else I'd rather be. And definitely significant change, not just in the property market, but the overall township. You know, little centres like Noosa Junction are now very vibey and and fun with lots of bars and restaurants, which you hadn't seen previously, you know, to the last three years. So that's an exciting change, I guess, that uh, COVID allowed, surprisingly, was the opening of all these new little businesses. And what is it with the population? I remember some years ago, there was only so many people going in, and I think that that had something to do with building in Noosa with the council. Can you just give us a bit of a 101 update on that? Yeah, correct. It was. It's a bit of a myth that we had a population cap. However, the council was and remains very aware of our limited infrastructure and the inability to retrofit infrastructure. So they do have a theoretical um, cap on population just to manage our water supplies and roads and so on. New people are still coming into the area as some people leave. You know, there is that um, turnover of property. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. Let's have a look at to what extent does hosting the Olympics impact with property prices? Look, the data that we have pulled is based on a, a few things. The first one is what happened to house prices and property prices after the Sydney 2000 Olympics. So we looked at that from an Olympics perspective, so like an international gaming sporting event perspective. We then also looked at how Brisbane fared when Brisbane held the Expo in 1988 and also the G20 Brisbane Summit in 2014. And on average, median house price growth grew by about 14 to 15% a year post-event. So that's quite a significant amount if we want to think about where is the Brisbane median house price right now. Brisbane City Council have gone past the million dollar mark. So if we want to try and forecast that to the next 10 years, and also knowing that on average, it's an extra 15% after they've held the Olympics, that brings us to significant price growth. Yeah, and how great is the multiplier effect in all of this? And perhaps just outline to the audience what the multiplier effect is. 
The multiplier effect is that it really does bring up a lot of the suburbs that at the moment may not be known in the international eyes to such a level that it attracts a lot more international investors. There's that. And because of that, then our government, um, because this particular Olympics is one of a kind in the sense that federal, state and local are actually contributing to the pot, it then has that multiplier effect of increasing or improving the infrastructure, the commercial developments in these key Olympic suburbs that may not have had this level of infrastructure or this level of commercial development happen if it wasn't because of the Olympics. And Asti, does hosting the Olympics add to housing supply? And I guess if it does, to what extent? Look, when we talk about housing supply, the way that we've actually looked into this as a case study is we looked at what other Olympics have brought in terms of housing supply. So we looked at Tokyo 2021, we looked at Rio 2016, London 2012, Beijing 2008, Athens 2004, and Sydney 2000. The report actually proves that for each of those Olympics, there has been apartments or townhouses or modular homes or lots that was brought on a year after that uh, capital city or that city has hosted an Olympic. More apartments and dwellings and lots two to five years after those places have hosted Olympics. And even in some of those places, for example, Sydney and London, five to 10 years after they've hosted the Olympics. It's a weekend of real estate. If we've got siblings listening to the podcast right now, and I guarantee you there will be, what are your top three pieces of advice, Victor, to siblings listening right now that they've really got to think about and cover off in an agreement or a contract going in on this basis of shared equity of a home loan? So the first thing is that we suggest is to, when things are really good and they're going well and in the planning stages of this, meet with somebody to talk through, to documenting what happens if things don't go well. If this doesn't proceed as, and it doesn't work out for the best for both of us and things aren't, aren't rosy, what have we got to do from there? You know, what are the, the steps that we go through so that we can get that rectified? That's number one. Number two is to look at the financial implications of it as well and understand what your responsibilities are going to be with the loan. You understand how the loan works, how it operates, who's responsible for which portion of the loan and how that's going to work. And then the last thing to to sort of think about, I would suggest setting up a, a fair accounting system or having an account each where you put money into so that you can track exactly who's put what money into the into the property. If you can keep on top of that so that if anything happens in the future and you need to, you know, be able to reconcile what's happened, you know exactly, you know, who's put in this share, who's contributed, you know, what, etc. Most people will do that by putting in 50-50 all the time. Well, that's great. Thank you, Victor. Sharing a little bit of light onto that for the siblings around Australia thinking about going into property ownership together. And thank you for coming on to the Real Estate Breakfast podcast this morning. No problems. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having us. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.